Welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today, we find ourselves in John chapter 16. It reads, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when the hour comes that you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. A little while, and you will see me no longer, and again a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me. And because I am going to the Father. So they were saying, What does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew what they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant by saying, A little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you will have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from me. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things, and you do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. For today's nugget of truth, we're going to center in here on verse 4 of chapter 16 of John. It says there, But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. When we look at this, we have to place it in the context of what's taking place in this four chapters that Jesus is preparing his disciples for his imminent departure. The disciples have no idea that that's coming, yet Jesus is maximizing this time, and John is giving us an insight into how that's taking place. As Jesus walks through each of these significant passages, he's doing this knowing that their lack of understanding in the moment 
will be changed to a fullness of understanding when they're able to look back at it post-resurrection, post-his appearances to them. The principle of what Jesus is doing here has been displayed in our midst as well. If you've been in our church and been walking with us through the sermon series we've been doing on Sunday mornings, Pastor Jeff, when he returned from his sabbatical, reminded us of the importance of preparation. And he talked about how we drink before we're thirsty. He talked about the fact that when you're thirsty, you've already kind of passed the threshold of what you needed, and you're not actually prepared for what's there. We could think of it another way in terms of when we're in school and we start to do the different drills that are there, we do those drills in the time prior to when we need them so that when we need them, we're prepared for what's actually going to occur. That's what's taking place here as Jesus prepares his disciples for his departure. He's going to tell them about different things in this passage. We see the Holy Spirit and what it's going to do. He's telling them these things and they're not really understanding, but they will once they look back on it. He also talks about future events that are going to take place, how their sorrow is going to turn into joy. That's going to become very real for these disciples here in the next coming days. How they have joy that's going to be now crushed into sorrow, that's going to be returned to an even higher joy when they walk through that. And then finally, he talks about how he's going to overcome the world. At that moment, they're probably thinking, yeah, you're going to walk into this kingdom and you're going to be on the throne as the ruler and rightful heir for the Jewish throne here. But instead, he's going to be displaying an even greater reality of the heavenly kingdom that he is going to be a part of and the way in which he's going to overcome the world. But looking down in verse 29, they actually think they're understanding it for once. They say, ah, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe you came from God. Put that in the context of what we said in verse 4. I've said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. The disciples display in verse 29 and 30 that they understand that Jesus is the source that they should be going to. They're not understanding how much they should be taking from him or what that looks like, but they are being prepared for what comes ahead. And that leaves us with the question, are we preparing for the things that are coming ahead in our life? God has given us this opportunity to cultivate his scriptures, to cultivate the relationship that we can have with him through studying God's word, through being a part of the community of believers, through the Holy Spirit ministering to us constantly through growing in our love and our obedience to God. But the question is, are we hungering and thirsting for that and filling ourselves with that prior to the time that we need it? Because the disciples are going to have a great need that's going to arise here in the next couple chapters as Jesus is taken from them, then crucified, and they are left with their whole entire world shattered. They then need all of these things that God was trying to provide for them. But they're not going to be prepared for them because they were not understanding them in the right context. They were understanding them in terms of future glories, not present realities. And so as we think and dwell upon that, are we looking to God in his word for the present realities that it provides for us? Are we preparing in our seasons where things are going well for the seasons where there will be challenges? Are we preparing for the times in which we will truly thirst by finding the satisfaction that comes from God in the times where things are going well? That is the challenge that we see taking place 
in the disciples' lives here that is not fulfilled for them because they will then struggle through that because they didn't understand that reality. They knew that they should be listening to Jesus, but they did not understand what he was really preparing them for. And so they lacked the ability to prepare for the future events that would allow them to continue to trust and to look to God in their three-day trial while he is in the grave. As far as a question from this passage, one of the places that I want to look is the last phrase here in the last verse. It says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. When we look at that, it's speaking in a present reality of what most of us would have thought, hey, he's talking about a future event. Most of us would probably frame this discussion in terms of, yeah, Jesus overcame the world when he died on the cross and rose from the grave. But at this point, John is saying that Jesus is saying this in a present tense, I have overcome the world. And so what is it that allows Jesus to say that? Is he focusing on this future reality or is he presently already displayed that he has overcome the world? And I truly believe that that's what he's speaking on here. When we look back at Jesus and how he was preparing for the cross, what he knows to be true is he has endured all of the trials, all of the suffering, all of the sinfulness of the world, yet he has not sinned himself. He has been in the world, but yet he has been able to overcome the world, its system, Satan, all of these other things that are trying to make a claim on him. And he has remained set apart, holy, and set aside for God's plans. So he can rightly say in this moment that he has overcome the world and that he has been prepared for the coming sacrifice on the cross. It's not just that the cross is what displayed that he overcame the world. Certainly that's a large part of the visibility of what's taken place and the manifestation of the reality that's been there. But even to this point, he has overcome the world system. He has overcome Satan, his temptation, and all of the trials that have been thrown at him. Everything that the sinfulness of man would have fallen to, Jesus has been able to overcome. Therefore, he is prepared to be the one and only sacrifice for our sins, the great gift that God has given to us, for us to then be able to partake in that great gift that he gives us as he has overcome the world. Therefore, he has the ability to offer that to others, and we will be able to partake in that if we choose to trust and to follow and to live our lives in accordance to the commands that he displays for us. And so maybe that was the question that you had. Hey, what is it he's talking about here? Is he's talking about this future reality maybe versus a present thing that he's doing? Maybe there's something else in this passage. Whatever it is that your mind is stuck on, Whatever it is that you continuously keep thinking as you read through this passage, look into that in a greater sense. Talk with others about it. Use the tools in your life to study God's word and to prepare yourself for a greater understanding of how he's revealing himself to you. Know today you were loved. You're